0: Thank you. My name is Jack Utway. And I'm Jay oway And we welcome you back to another episode of Like Dragon, Like Son. The father-son podcast talking about uh, all things Dungeons and Dragons. That's right. And today, we are
1: returning to the DMG
0: to talk a little bit about monsters. That's the
1: old Dungeon Master's Guide. We are flipping open my favorite section in the back, the Dungeon Master's Workshop, which really should be called the Advanced Dungeons and Dragons section for people <laughs> who are awesome. You know, pro players only. <laughs> That's uh, a very aggressive title. Yeah, yeah. So if you're just starting out and in D and D, you know, just quit. Yeah, this this isn't for you. This, this stuff's too no, challenging. No, no, no. We're you know, joking. You were just saying to me the other day. You're watching, like, you're like, you'd read various D and D articles that would sort of pop up in the news feed. and you go, "Why do I get nothing from these articles? Why is there nothing in it that okay. surprises <laughs> me? That I either know it already or they're wrong." <laughs> I didn't. Say and I, so I, I think I, am, I did say it like that actually. I, but am, I was being more dramatic, perhaps. I am I'm just saying now that if you've come to this episode, that's not gonna happen. Right? Today you're not gonna say, oh, I didn't I already knew all the things those guys were saying. <laughs> Nor are you gonna say, those guys are wrong. You're gonna come away going, Damn, that's insightful stuff. I learned something today. That's some like deep, deep wisdom. Yeah. Uh... Uh, yeah, so we are we're rolling high. On our Arcana check right now, um, as we delve into the lore of messing with monsters. So, so this um, this episode uh, sort of was born recently um, at our tables, mm. where our players, bless their magically enhanced little hearts, are really kicking the butts uh, of our big bad evil guys, our yeah. our our super monsters, our boss fights. Um, a lot of things that, you know, we, we're, you know, they're deadly encounters. We see our ratings above what uh, our our players should be able to handle according to, you know, the rule books. Um, yet, two turns, two rounds later, dead monster. Yeah. Um, I'm astonished every time,
0: but it does keep happening. And we've sort of come to the conclusion that we, we've got to spice things up. we got to change it up. Otherwise, these combats are just going to, like feel like the party is
1: sure and like uh, unopposed. It, it is your responsibility to kill the pc the pc the party that's the goal is to just uh, throw everything as many of them as you can uh, exactly break as many hearts as possible no. the boss fight should kill somebody <laughs> no, no no they should at least go down I, is I, it well, part of the, the the flavor sure i mean if it if
0: I, I try and never make pc inevitable or like a pc unconscious or death inevitable but like if the players are kind of being stupid about what they're doing, then I'm ready for it to happen, you know? Yeah. I'm uh, kind of... Well, we've got a new table rule, uh, which my players support as well, where if someone goes down, I roll the death saves in secret, and so they don't know how close they are to dying. That's that's terrifying. Until they go and check, and it's either too late, or they're stable. Yeah. So, it really encourages people, even if like someone's like, oh, nat 20, or like, well, of course, not 20, people would know they stand up, but say... 19, 18 successes, right? People be like, oh, they could be dying over there. I don't know, you know? And so they, regardless of how dire the situation is, run over and
1: sure. kill their friends. I, um, I play a doctor in a campaign that as soon as somebody goes down, automatically drops whatever she's doing and runs. Disengages and runs. Yeah, um, that's a nice thing to do. As if she, as if the roles were going to be done that way, mm. um, I role play her in a capacity where she would never for a second or six seconds... Uh, delay. Uh, her her attention, medical attention for somebody.
0: Sometimes my players like all I say, look, look. If you shout, it'll wake him up from the sleep. If you just push him a little bit, it, I won't even count it as an action. They go, nope. I'm just chasing after the bad guy. And you're like, okay, sorry, Anson. I guess you're still asleep, <laughs> you know, or whatever, right? Um, but we we try to encourage players to be a little bit more
1: helpful but today's not about the players we don't care about the players we want to kill the players let's face it the players at this point we've got good players at the table and they've got even better magic items they're stacked with magic items yeah and yeah we're throwing we're throwing the book at them and it's not working so what do you do what do you do dms when this happens well clearly you're gonna buff your monsters Mm. but this is a this is a slippery slope. It's a tricky category, you know, territory. You Don't want to you can buff too you much. can easily go too far with this, and we joke about the TPK. You don't really no. want to TPK your party unless you're an awesome DM. No, okay. and so and so there's there becomes an issue here. Do you want to be that DM who's fudging dice rolls if things start to get too spicy? Um, do you are you keen to just kill everybody? Because I'm certainly not. Um, so, how, so getting that fine line of making the, the fight just challenging enough or maybe challenging enough that they recognize they're outgunned and run even like how do you we want to try and get the boss fights to sort of feel um, so that when they win they feel truly victorious yeah and, and that around the table exciting. it's it's always good if around the table you hear that
0: you know or like when you yeah. like say the how do you want to do this or whatever that the whole party goes woo you know that they killed the big um, monster in my case often a very big monster in your case maybe not always could be like a mage could be some goblins regardless combat should feel like hey that was kind of a, you know took some of my resources or i felt like i was you know putting some effort and or some
1: thought into it because i think people and, can and we're really also talking that. about situations here as well where we're not we're not stacking the board with more monsters because mm, no. that's always an, an easy way to increase a challenge rating. And more likely increase the odds of somebody going down because yeah. it's easier to corner somebody, get them, you know, the action economy working against them. They got multiple things hammering on them. Um, and, you know, the, the healers or other people might be separated too far away or things right. like that can happen. But if you've got just one big target on the board, mm. right, so it's a big boss fight, and particularly for your campaigns, you've got a huge monster. Typically. I do. They do. regularly
0: fight huge monsters with this concept of a uh colossus or this like
1: colossal beast which they've been hired to hunt down very witcher style so you run a series of colossus i do um that from week to week they get together and fight true i mean it's not always that they do gather combat as well but it's a lot of big creatures so it leads to those so so the idea is okay we got to buff this thing up a little bit um where's the first place we should start well,
0: many people immediately think to hit points. And you're not wrong if you think mm. giving it a little bit more hit points or a way to get some hit points back. There's multiple ways to do it. Some of them feel, can feel a little bit cheesier than others. Um, the first strategy is just give it more hit points. If you feel people are melting through hit points too quickly, give it more hit points or give it ways to take
1: less damage, you know, and so it holds onto those hit points a little bit more. Resistances, etc. And I, yeah. et And I, I remember seeing... Uh, first first calculating this with like watching Critical Roll and uh, the mm. the Mighty Nine were fighting, I forget what, but it was a creature that I kind of knew the hit points on and I was like, oh yeah, that's like 150 hit points and then they kept going and we were keeping track. I'm like, gosh, it's got to be close to like 300 or something now and it was clear that Matt knew the damage output of his players and he had... Increase the hit points. To make it a satisfying and fight. Because he's also got a big party, right? Mm. So you want to make sure that everybody has actually a bit of a chance to play and get into the sure. combat ex- aspect of I the I mean, game. I had a combat where we didn't even get through a whole round before the creature was dead. Yeah. You know, not the Colossus, but some other fight sure. where. Sure. If you've got yeah. four or five players each putting out 100 or 20 some points of damage, you could easily be over 100 hit points of damage in one round. Mm. Um, especially if they're willing to. Uh, unload a big spell slot it was or something. an
0: adult white dragon that they like melted through in one turn like in one round I should say that's crazy it's crazy yeah watch um, watch it what, adult dragons everywhere are crumbling in the or crumbling w- in their I mean, boots over there. Not a level the... nine party. I mean, yeah. I figured for me the sweet spot for my level nine party, who's juiced with at- items, is around four hundred hit points. Typically, is quite good with regenerating.
1: Yeah, but you got to keep in mind that four hundred hit points, according to the Dungeon Master's Workshop guide, four hundred hit points is a CR twenty-one level mm-hmm. amount of hit points. So you can see how the CR ratings are. Maybe out of whack a little bit, right? Um, and not to be too worried about them. But of course, without that guideline, as a DM, it's it may be hard to know. So this sure. is often this is easier in a campaign setting where you've got senior players, damage outputs. You see the way they work together, their tactics um, to sort of know what makes a meaty sort of uh, fight. And I think that's it for me as well. I think I'm starting to get to the point where I recognize that something in the mid two hundreds. Um, typically I've got a smaller party, um, their damage output's a little bit different. Um, but definitely mid 200 sort of range is a good, uh, fight. I think a really tough fight, uh, I'd probably push that closer to 300. Yeah, maybe. I mean, de- it depends on your party's do composition. And then the other way to do it though is to, uh, provide the creature with some rene- re- regeneration ability. mm cuz if they can, right right if they're recovering hit points every turn as well on top of then that then they really have more like 500 600 hit which points. is kind of fun like so there's a couple things i do i play in virtual tabletops oh. quite a bit where i let the players see the stat bar of the monster so they can sort of see it being you know diminished from sort of a nice green to like mid-sized yellow down to its little red so they kind of know when they're the monster is getting you know badly sort of beaten i like to describe it yeah, I do too. As well, I, I like s- to like I'd sort of drive show like well, but...
0: I, I do use the term bloodied, which is a very I believe fourth edition yeah. or like type term where it's below half hit points. And I'll say, yeah, this thing is is and they'll go to me. Is it bloodied? <laughs> and I'll go, oh, yeah, this thing is is in bad shape. You know, I mean, I mean, I try and find more ways to say that it's injured besides just saying, oh yeah, it's covered yeah, in I, blood. I, I, you know? Yeah, I'll I try literally... to describe its wounds. I try to describe you know, especially if, if the party's it's... been like going after things with a big monster. It's yeah. really easy. Like there's like usually key features on the thing. And so you can be like, oh, its or tail is it, like, yeah. like, spasming or flinching or nearly falling off or whatever, right? Or it's, you know, limping or whatever. Is it's like blood gushing in the snow behind it or whatever,
1: right? Yeah, see, it, the, sort of the staggeringness in its attacks or whatever. It's there's ways to, to or whatever. Yeah. um, so so yeah, hit points is an easy way to prolong the fight and regenerating mm-hmm. the hit points. But the in sure. the in the virtual tabletops, so. Sometimes, just to sort of make the players feel like their initial attacks aren't aren't getting very far, mm. I will give the creature many of its hit points as temporary <laughs> hit points. Right. So that for the first, you know, 80, 90 hit points of damage they do against it, they don't even see the, the step bar moving at all. That's funny. And it it worries them, right? It gives them that sense when they first come out in the fight that that this isn't this is bad this mm. is not good um that helps a lot i think in terms of of sort of just giving people a sense that they're up against something tough and that's really all we're trying to do in the story here right we're not trying to make the combat hard for being hard's sake we're trying to create a sense of drama totally right? I'm trying to create a sense of climactic action and I think that without sort of a fear that, of death, of that we're up against the baddie and that we may lose, that it's, you know, it doesn't have quite the same impact in the story.
0: Stakes as well. I mean, again, if you're finding combat to be the issue, it might not be the monster. We're talking about monsters today, but I've also found that adding other goals besides just the monster, Absolutely. like killing the beast, is sometimes the most rewarding kind of combat. You know, whether it be like prevent an assassination job, and so while they're dealing with this big creature, they've also got to deal with these, like, you know, assassins who are hopping through shadows or whatever, right, um, that are also, like, attacking them. And it's those are some of the more, like, high-stake fights when there's more than just, t- like, a bunch of hit point bags yeah. hitting each other
1: Absolutely, until one yeah. is not moving, you know. And then, and nobody wants just a big hit point bag either. Like, the, like the best yeah. bad guys... At boss level, level feel real. Feel yeah. well. They, they. I have them talk a lot more during the fights. Sure. I suppose it's um, a thing a monster can't. I let you. them. Yeah, monster I mean, if you've just got a get. big colossus, it's like, <laughs> Argh. Um, but if you've got a, a, a megalomaniac uh, vampire, sure. then it's a, a very different sort of story, or one that's that's even trying to seduce them or win them over or you know convince them to give sure. up the fight and to join him. Um, that's actually you know far more like you know far more difficult for players to decide you know no I'm going to stay the course I'm not going to listen to you I'm going to fight this through and it gives you that whole like another story element that's going on the conflict internally as well as externally right and I think that that definitely helps makes the fight better uh, Mm. as well Um, but you know the bad guy should have some superpowers that's the other thing as well. Like, you yeah. know, legendary actions. Sure. It's death, an though. easy thing. I mean, for me, it's
0: probably the biggest lifesaver in terms of action economy, which, if you're not aware, is the principle that in a balanced fight, or even in most fights in D&D, the party with, my like, greater the side with more, you know, people is going to win. Yeah, the, we call it dice on the table, right? Exactly. Those turns, who, those who get to roll more D20s you know? to hit, it t- generally a win. A simple concept, like my one... Colossus versus five PCs, five PCs have a very good chance of winning. And I want them to win, but the point is is that sure. it, it's usually very easy. Uh, yeah. And so a quick way to counterbalance that is to give a big creature or a big boss, even most, like, if you want... I feel like if there's one enemy in a combat, that enemy should probably have legendary actions, yeah. even if they're not a legendary creature. If you're creature.
1: reaching some sort of end of a story arc of some sort, um, the creature that you find at that, whether they normally would have in their stat block legendary actions or not mm. i would recommend giving them some right um and where I, what i recommend doing with that as well isn't just randomly deciding when to use them but very specifically placing them in the initiative order in between the player's actions yeah so that it kind of goes monster player monster player monster player ish mm. um, or might go player player monster in some places if you've got slightly more players than legendary actions don't Overdo it on the legendary actions? No, no. Um, I mean depends on the creature. Well, Sometimes exactly. go up to two and, or three As you live, as you get higher and higher level, and closer and closer to your final end of campaign, more and more. Um, but you know, don't don't start sure. too many to start with. Uh, and legendary actions are as simple things as like recharging it and trying to
0: recharge an ability sure. or moving a certain I, distance. I typically a say, attack. yeah,
1: one of them. One of them, you know, there's a move and attack feature in there. There might be a special sort of one. Yeah, another mm-hmm. one that is a is environmental, a more of a, a, yeah, like. or a movement that can knock people down or prone or you know yeah, push it, people it away. Changes around, the yeah. layout of the board a little bit, um, or maybe one that's a like a innate spell casting type sure. feature or something. And if you actually kind of have them almost so that they do occur in the same order, although you can mix it up for fun, but have those same two or three things appearing each time the players figure it out very quickly oh it's going to and it's like if you played a video game you're like oh the b- boss does this like it moves around and then it does this move and then the players actually get smart at how to counter those moves and i think that looks really good on the board as well like there's like the players feel like they're tactically smart they're like figuring out what the you know they're improvising mm-hmm. a strategy on the fly they're working together to overcome you know the bad guys you know various special powers that's a lot of fun um and yeah you're right suddenly action economy gets flattened and nobody has overwhelming advantage yeah Yeah. that can make it feel like a bit of a cakewalk which is kind of
0: what we're trying to avoid we're not trying to say make your monsters so powerful that they win the fight because at the end of the day as a dm you resign that your all your monsters are going to die you know all the villains that you fight in combat are either going to have to surrender or die at some point yeah, and that's kind of that goal is yeah, to I'm make it fun for the absolutely party. Absolutely fine, uh, losing like ninety nine percent of all your battles are going to end with you losing ninety nine point nine nine. And ultimately, that's kind of you
1: winning, is it not? I mean, yeah, that's kind I of mean, a given. Occasionally, though. players need to limp away. Uh, right, I've had PCs. that many times they, actually. Yeah. they need to to recognize when a fight is beyond them, and they need to run. Totally. Um, but that should be kind of telegraphed as well. Mm. Um. You know, and, and often that's how you set up the, the boss fight is they, they see the, the big evil guy. And go, quake in their boots a little exactly. bit. Exactly. Yeah. The first couple of times that they encounter them, um, as per Curse of Strahd, there is absolutely no way they would ever be able to defeat Strahd. Like when he first encounters them at a lower level, you know, He's he, like, he, he ignores them almost because they, you know, he leaves them to the wolves and the wolves alone are damn near deadly <laughs> enough to kill the party. Mm. Um, you know, and he just rides off of like, you know, after insulting them for being, you know, pesky. But then of course that they, they survive that and they survive more and more things. He becomes more and more interested and enamored with them. He starts trying to, you know, seduce them and bring them into his world and his story sure. and to turn, to turn things on its head, you know, stuff that they believe to be one way. He starts to tell them it's another way. And, uh, and I, I think I like that about the sort of story This is this becomes this conflict. Um, and they, at some point, either resolve themselves in their mind to, to never believe anything he says mm. and to, to fight against it all um, or to take the bait <laughs> and decide, oh, you know what? Maybe I am the sort of character that's going to sell out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's a fun thing about D&D as well. I don't know ever what my players are going to do. Hmm. Um, well in combat, what are some other ways we
0: can spice up monsters besides just hit points? Right.
1: Well, and the, or legendary actions. Or legendary actions. And right. you know, previous episodes we have talked about um, the environment in which your fight takes place. Mm. And we've actually looked at it from the other perspective a couple times even I think a week or so back we looked at this in terms of traps and right. how you add a monster into a trap environment or in this case you know you so can add a trap into a monster or yeah layer actions might be another way to describe right. this
0: um and there's plenty of good examples of what layer actions can look like just look up some legendary creatures you know and think about the environment it doesn't sure. even have to
1: be related well, to whether you them, call it layer you know? action or you call it just the environment does something and you can always put that something on a very particular initiative count. Yeah. So whenever initiative count hits 20 or when it hits 10 or when it hits one or maybe or it, it hits a bunch of yeah, things. 20 and 10. Um, I mean, if you listen back to our trap episode, we talk about the speed of certain traps. Yeah. That's absolutely applicable to environmental things. Sure. You know? Yeah. Well, and this is the other thing. If you put movement as a potential uh, legend, part of a legendary action, also spells where, that are triggered by a creature beginning their turn in them become hugely ineffective. Like Moonbeam does not work right. against something that can move in the middle of its turn. Um, because suddenly yeah you place it there and you think ha and then it suddenly does this like legendary flip out of your moonbeam lands beside you and like rakes its claws across your face and you're like and then suddenly you're like oh well there goes that spell can <laughs> I yeah. um, bring it back over here <laughs> exactly and then it of course moves it's again that, and yeah moves again frustrating and, um, so it's you know it's stuff like that that you know forces the players to think oh okay my same old spells are not going to work in this you know sort of environment i got to sort of think more creatively mm. on on what i can hit it with right now because it's going to keep moving it's very fast um how many attacks it actually gets on its primary turn is another way to sort of show how fast it is too if you want to like describe something as like you know un, unearthly type speeds of which it attacks you know give it three blade attacks um with a scimitar or something it's like swish 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 like it comes at you really quick mm-hmm. um and it, that seems like a lot but actually when you figure out how many like by the time you get to like you know mid-tier like that monks have in terms of attacks or even like fighters True. or barbarians are getting like multiple i mean those get dangerous and... if someone goes down and then just continues wailing on yeah it. yeah it does it certainly does if you declare that all three of them against them you roll all three Especially if they're low on hit points, the first one takes them down, then the next two basically kill them. Instant kill them, yeah. Um, Unless it's ranged, but... And, and, hey, I'm not too worried. Uh, my party has two casters, both armed with Revivify Revivifies, and, and right. bags of diamonds, so... My um, party less so. I mean, again, I think a big part of this is thinking, what is your party currently able to do? My you party know? also has the rubies and things required should they need to go and find uh, the Witch in the Woods who has... Uh, raised dead. So right. uh, they know they know how I mean if you're going to spend any time in Barovia, you, you definitely need to know how to come back from the dead. Yeah. I uh, mean, my party of mostly upfront damage dealer, you
0: know, no primary spellcasters, closest thing is a hexblade, but let's be honest. The
1: hexblade really But a in your caster? in your world, do you have do you have a well-established clear mechanic for how to get Sure. Players Absolutely. back from the dead,
0: but there's often also the premise of willingness to return, which is the main caveat. Sure, I'm fine with that. I like. I think that's always a good. I rule. mean, I always ask: Is the soul willing to return? Because if it's not, there's nothing you can
1: do. You know. Oh, I don't know. I think sometimes, like powerful enough magic, rips souls back where they and then that's a whole nother thing. But there's something different. A soul that doesn't want to be there, oh, you lose something when you comes do that. back with like a different alignment. Oh yeah. By the way, I hate alignment. So <laughs> the fact that I haven't said that out loud kind of. i am from an old school that sometimes Uh, you know i think most people agree most people dislike alignments now yeah i think i don't think they're gonna last (laughs) uh i don't think they're primarily used for anything
0: um if you want to look at other ways to enhance monsters though there's a huge list in the dmg
1: in terms of creating monsters with like general like calculate damage output in Uh, dm's workshop yeah uh Chapter nine under creating a monster, mm. which in the paper version is page two seventy four. Um, and you can also find that if you're a D and D Beyond user. Uh, and Which if, you're, if not, you're not,
0: then why are you? I don't playing know. D&D? I mean gosh, how have you good been? Good on you this? for just
1: using the books. God, That's hard. Tough. Uh, this game's a lot easier with the digital tools. I swear. It's so uh, much easier. Yeah, I say worth it. Worth the money. Um, mm. Or just play with us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Find a DM who does content sharing. Like a, what would you call it? A sugar DM? A sugar DM. (laughs) Yeah. Who buys all the books for you. Let us be your sugar DM. Come join our campaigns. Um,
0: Yeah. Uh, In the DMG, though, uh, in that section in terms of creating monsters, it lists a huge amount of... Yeah. features that certain monsters have uh size and what that can type mean, you
1: know uh, ability scores and what that modifiers. means for like hit points and, yeah, and little things like that you know, like if you juice AC, some, if you juice um armor class if you juice some ability scores right that sure. can actually help them in a lot of ways with too. saves and checks yeah. and certain attacks um, even give them a bonus to certain saves uh you know things like that help armor right. class is armor class is something that i'd say buff maybe by one point don't go too crazy with it mm,
0: or give it a way um, to temporarily change it um i had things that could burn it could burn a reaction to try and deflect something but then you know it opens itself up to, for weakness in some way or uh, it starts off as like this tough shelled creature but they start picking away at its shell until it's this
1: exposed you know monster that now yeah. it's got a very low ac type idea if you look if you look in the guide here right monster statistics by challenge rating nothing goes over ac 19 right right the the you know cr 30 creatures with 800 hit points have got an armor class of 19 um mm. that that should kind of tell you a little something um you know the the game the game breaks, right? A bit if you now keep in mind it. This obviously doesn't apply to players because I see, I know lots of players out there that I play with who've managed to get their fighters, paladins, and whatnot uh, AC up to twenty or twenty one. Uh, it's not that hard; mm. uh, it's doable. But just appreciate for a second that that puts you into a very elite category of of creatures in D and D and you will find monsters in the, in the various monster manuals that have, I mean, this is just a, a guide in the DM's DMG, but there are monsters out there that do have higher ACs, but just, you know, be sparing with how much you. Sure. Up their AC, especially if they're a, a huge or, you know, big creature, big creatures are by nature easier to hit right um and so you can up it a little bit to sort of reflect you know a, a thick hide or an armored you know exoskeleton or something but right I exactly. Go, don't go too crazy exactly
0: I mean AC ultimately it's just kind of a way to prevent some of those attacks if some players are kind of lethal I mean just especially if it's in that sort of mid 14 15 range popping up to a 16 can make a little bit of a difference and suddenly people go oh you know I think upper range it's not typically too smart to go above 18 yeah uh my highest end for big creatures especially is 17 Mm. i think anything higher than that is a little too much
1: and and it's not that my players can't hit things they certainly can yeah um and but i think they that's part of the game though is you've earned ability to hit things well totally um and so that should be uh, uh, you shouldn't be taking that away from people no totally not and and but conversely Don't push the attack bonus of the monsters too high. Well, I like to go. I like to again, players. You got to be a bit careful though, right? Because again, when we're talking about how many attacks we've given the monsters now, how often they're acting. Sure. If we if we make it so that they've got all these attacks and they're hitting every time, then it's we've broken it again, right? Right. There should be this. It's it's. But again, there should be there should be a nice sense that the players like you know, their armor works sure. much of the time. Totally. And when it doesn't, then they feel it. They, yeah. You know, there's, and they, yeah, there should always be a sense of like, okay, yeah, there's a nice feeling when, you know, the monster rolls a, a you know, even with its plus seven to hit or plus eight or plus nine or even with mm. its plus 10, that it rolls a two. Oh, there's, oh. A, there's our Our, our familiar, own little monster here. Who's like,
0: <laughs> he's demanding tribute he's like,
1: Demanding that we uh, say his stop claw attacks. Twos. Their attack bonus is way too high. Yeah, Clip um, those a little bit. The, for, the, for if you're a new listener, um, the the cat that we have here, he shows up in a lot of our episodes. Fae, maybe actually fiendish. I, I think I, today he's fiend. I really but. think that there's something about you know we we've tried our best to time our podcasting when he's asleep, but, but he, he, knows. he knows. He just knows as soon as the microphones are are out that uh, he owns us. Yeah. At this point where and he owns easy you targets. too if you're
0: listening the cat owns you uh
1: so yeah he he has legendary actions that cat true for sure layer actions too. the actions, whole house comes whole, crashing whole down if we... at us. um so yeah those are
0: those are some of the big ones uh mm-hmm. for modifying i mean there's also the idea if we do talk about legendary actions what's what's your take on legendary resistance because i'm not a huge
1: fan to be honest oh i i think it, they i think they need they definitely need two or three Three if they're like the big boss. Two if they're sort of like a step down. One one sometimes is okay as well because that can kind of take out that instant turn one polymorph rat combat over. Put you in a jar. Sure. Yeah. I mean it's... I like it when the legendary resistance makes sense against a particular thing. Um, Like for example Moonbeam. Sure right where if my super werewolf flu guru uh, has moonbeam cast upon it, it can use its legendary resistance to avoid being turned back into its human form. okay, fair enough because this it's whole, this whole, like this whole boss whatever. fight is exactly what We're like fighting the the king of werewolves essentially at this right. point so so yeah no, your little moonbeam spell doesn't change me well back. It can if you can keep it going long enough and keep trying to and manage to keep hitting it somehow I, I did mention that it will move out of that space and it'll be very hard to hit with it but you know that 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 spell worked hugely well early on in the game when they were low level sure. fighting against big werewolves It was were scaring the heck out of them packs of werewolves that spell proved so useful so so very useful for them mm. um so yeah when you get to the higher boss level fight no that same low level spell Surprise, surprise doesn't work so well. And that's cool. That's fine. The druid's like, all right, I got other things now. Like, you know, they're they're sure, much higher totally. level. And yeah, they they can definitely pull off some other crazy things. I mean, heck, they turn to a giant eagle for God's sakes. Like <laughs> there's so many like there's yes. so much power in that druid that that because I've basically legendary saved on Moonbeam is not the a end of their deal. opportunities. Yeah. It's just ruined that that round for sure. them a little bit. And well, boo sucks. you poor <laughs> druid. He'll, he'll make, don't worry. Get Next it. round, you can find something else to do. Yeah. Uh, you got a big, big bag of opportunity there to still try different things. So I think sometimes like legendary resistances, especially if you've got them, like if you, you should know your party and you should kind of know like that sort of, you know, those sorts of tricks of what the, the creature would be like, yeah, no, you're not, you're not getting me with that old trick. Yeah. Uh, yeah Um, so it makes me think of like the like mm. somebody like almost in star wars you know the weak-minded falling for the jedi mind trick but the more like the powerful one going yeah were you trying to do that on me really no that ain't gonna work here right And i think that's what i would use them for sure i mean that that's cool but i think in general the just
0: like me with my big monster saying no to a player's creativity can feel like a little like oh you know like imagine I mean, really, this is an interesting example where it's debatable. Um, last night's, for us, Exandria Unlimited, that whole one charm person was that potentially a legendary resistance opportunity or not? You know, what? How would things have differed right then if, if would like, well, she uses her legendary
1: resistance to overcome the save? You know? Yeah. Well, Okay. So, uh, I'm not sure if against second level characters, I would be rolling that sort of thing out. Mm. Um. Still, much, though, this big bad that's so intimidating. Maybe. I mean, it
0: depends how, how my, like, like... A single first-level spell took out the whole encounter. Like,
1: I guess. Is that what Legendary Resistance really is for, you know? I guess it depends how railroady or sandboxy. Sure. Um, if I'm running a very tight sort of one-shot type style thing, um, I, I, might, go, no. I might kind of railroad them into getting to their destination in that wagon or whatever. Right. Um, and... But if it's a bit more sandboxy and we're playing a bigger campaign, then yeah, that's kind of a cool way to sort of demonstrate your fey abilities to, you know, sure, schmooze people out of things. Of I mean, course, I'm like not Fawn would be able to do that. That's sure, very, she's very or a, a satyr. She's a satyr. Yeah. I mean, she says Fawn, but I believe it's yeah, seder. yeah. But she's she's done. I get why she's called like the name that, and stuff. Sure. it's cool. And and yeah, some creature like that should be like a little enchantment like that. Oh yeah
0: i that's guess a definite, yeah. that's
1: a i think even for the story that just seems to be that makes sense to me yeah. um so yeah i'd go for go with that and i don't think that was a major fight anyways i don't think that was a major moment no i guess um, not of like this is do or die exactly
0: but then there's my point there why legendary resistance not always necessary on your big baddies you know as much as we think oh like yeah tack it on it'll help it prevent saves and make combat last longer mm-hmm. or, it really just shuts down creativity. I mean like to me D and D is all about sort of like the improvisation at times. It does, it does. And like letting rolling with players' cool ideas. And to me, legendary resistance feels like just going,
1: no. It's only it only lets you pass a save, right? True, so but that like you should take half damage. Spells. So you might just describe it a different way. So they drop a fireball, for example, right? right. No big deal. But your your creature, I don't know, maybe the vampire you know, wraps his cape around his head, and the the flames lick off of the the outside of the cape, and I just you know that's one of the legendary resistances, and he only takes you know half damage from the the fireball, and you'd be like, whoa, is that cape magical? And it's like, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. We can kind of like narrate it I guess. in ways that it sort of doesn't but feel uh, like you've just noped sure. the player, but instead you've shown the bad guy to be to be scarier somehow that they he has the ability to sort of you know get through some of their attack their big attacks without that hurting them as much i guess i'm more
0: speaking to the idea like those charmy or all or nothing type creative yeah, those, spells those ones are that really sting oh, a little if bit just more fails, tough yeah you know? Cause like how can you say like this like big monster like you try and cast a spell and it fails to save but then it goes mm-hmm, well
1: deans. also the way she played that I mean I'm spoilers for everybody I'm sorry sure we've uh, already spoiled if you're watching that. Exandria Unlimited um, Who but cares? the way that the, the way that she's charmed to basically then just persuade the the driver to get off the cart and walk away isn't exactly how charm works no it's not mind control right so there was some there was some dm like hand waving in there already to sort of allow that story to flow like that for them to get out of town which i think is what she wanted them to do anyways yeah she wanted them to escape from from that she i think that's kind of where she wants the game going uh anyways so you know letting finding an interesting cool way for you know one of the you know weaker players at the table to use a charm spell that's my fun.
0: point for against Legendary Resistance exactly. Is that it's kinda like shows that this like this clutch moment of, you know, trying to throw out a cool spell works. You know, maybe it ends faster than they thought it would, but for that one turn it gives them a little breathing room. Sure. That that cool spell went off and suddenly your you know, utility spell cast does less yeah, damage like feels if, like, Whoa,
1: I made a huge difference there. Yeah, you know? If Matt uh, had during the the Matt Mercer had during the Mighty Nine campaign uh, with against the Hag. Sure, and the hag, legendary resistance
0: that modify memory that would have sucked. That would have sucked, and, and st- he totally could have. He probably could have, or counterspell, or counterspell. Um, which sure. when my
1: players were fighting, we fighting hags. The hags were all three of them were throwing counterspells around all the time. You've got three people with counterspells working together against your casters. Your casters are getting spells off. Mm. Are you kidding? Um, there's like, you know what I mean? There's there's more counter spells than there are casters. And suddenly you're like, okay, well, they're shutting our spells down. Um, and, of course, then it becomes an attrition. Like, who's got more spell slots? Uh, sort of question. But right. everybody's burning through them. And then you have to see what what kind of damage can we do in, in melee. Cantrips, yeah. yeah uh, things like that. So, yeah. Um, that's the other way. I suppose if they have innate spell casting and can cast a Counterspell that
0: also feels so cheesy to me, though. Everybody it, gets like,
1: it, though. Everybody
0: can do I guess, it.
1: But why does this guy know ways. counterspell?
0: Like, why would my like funny little uh, loser guy in the middle of the woods know counterspell? He probably you know? wouldn't, but your super vampire wizard would. Why? I guess a super vampire wizard assumes that they're like this is a thing in the wizard world that counterspells are the big thing, you know? Yeah. I feel like counterspells are kind of like the answer to like that whole like Harry Potter beam fight type thing. (laughs) But like way lamer because nothing's happening. Like imagine in Harry Potter, everyone's going like Wingardium live or whatever and just like nothing's happening. And he goes, well, well, I counterspelled you. Well, I counterspell your counter.
1: It's like uh, nothing's happening, you know. Yeah, I know. Um, Describe that in in fun ways if you can of spells fizzling. But spells fizzling don't describe well. No. I mean it's fun the first
0: couple times but eventually it's just like all right, can we actually have spells go off now? (laughs) I want to do cool things here. Yeah, it's
1: super frustrating for spellcasters,
0: I guess. But, hey. But for a DM, I'd allow players still to use counterspell because I love, like, that moment when the baddie tries to do something. You know, even that Scanlan moment. Oh, God, we're spoiling so much. You know what? I'll save our audience from spoilers further. But... Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Like, there's giving players that opportunity to annoy you to no end, but not to annoy them. To shut too down much, the you know? monsters. Yeah. Like, ultimately, it's about kind of the adventures being kind of cool. Yeah. You know? And I and ultimately,
1: that's what we're talking about when we talk about buffing monsters in this.
0: Is to give players more of a chance to seem cool. You yeah. Know? To like
1: surmount surmount these real challenges instead of these cakewalks. To dig deeper, to look know? create more creatively at problems. Sure. Um. You know it's just part of that process of learning to be a better player to learning to be more creative at the table to come up with neat sort of out of the box ideas um and yeah in order to get to that space to be a better player you need somebody a dm to challenge you more so don't be afraid out there to ratchet up the the hit points um wear down the players yeah. a bit more uh you know give them make it a little bit harder for them to get through that boss and and yeah i, I think it's okay a couple legendary resistances to help them survive the first couple turns um well yeah. i mean if it's that bad to look to something else other than legendary resistance <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah you want to make sure that they the monster survives at least you know Enough to what, let everyone act a couple of times. Yeah, exactly, and I, I, almost, I don't even know what the sweet zone is. Like, clearly, if you've got a fight that's going on for more than ten rounds, it's a long fight. You, you've gone, you've gone too far.
0: <laughs> Three, four hours of like the whole session has been
1: this fight. You could play, and yeah, you, I, we have done this with like twentieth level boss I, I fights. I don't mind sessions that are entire fights. Yeah, I mean, twenty. We've done a couple twentieth level ones where we just do like a big boss fight, and at that level. I mean, there's so many hit points everybody has everywhere to sort of crush through. Mm. Um, it takes a very, very, very long time to deal with. Yeah. And uh, if you think about it, it's all just this big equation of math with like
0: little cardboard cutout costumes thrown over it. It is. <laughs> and, and people telling stories together until the math equation is solved one way or another.
1: Usually ending in zero. Exactly. It's It's subtraction with storytelling in between. Yeah, pretty much addition and subtraction isn't that kind of silly it is (laughs) All right, folks if you you weren't good at at addition and subtraction before you started playing D&D you will be eventually
0: eventually although I will say some of those fives involving nines sevens or even like 17 damage across like you know 183 hit points what's uh, uh, it's a little hard sometimes on my little brain during the summer you'll get it If you go in the hundreds and you're like dealing like certain 25 across, you know, things that then go over, it's, it can be a little tricky sometimes. And sometimes I like just like for the sake of like quickness, like think, I think it's, it's probably that that's probably what the subtraction is. It's probably that
1: (laughs) if you're using online tools, obviously math is being done for people, which I think is why some people really love also playing virtually. Um, I, I had a DM actually that we play at a table with the, again these days, and he insisted last week because last the time before some people were using the D and D Beyond dice rollers on their phone. Right, he and wanted he's, he's to bring. He's banned it. Dice. He's like, you got to have physical dice at the table
0: again. Does he have physical dice for other people or if, not?
1: If they don't, but I know everybody at the table does, right. like at multiple sets, but they did just weren't bringing them. they like, oh yeah, we we, we can do digital and he's like, no. No digital dice. You gotta roll real ones at the table. My players like to roll real and, dice, and it does I mean found. you have to do some math at the table. Um, True. And but I, I often find when like
0: almost all my players are big crit people. Which is kind of a nightmare half of the time. Whenever you see that nineteen or twenty come up, where people like get like 10, 12, 13 dice just and just let them, dump them.
1: Just let them double the damage. It's just easier. I,
0: sometimes I do that if it's like getting a long fight and they get another crit. I'm just like, just double it. Just don't roll all of it again. Like for the first time, I like every, I let everyone do like one or two big crits. Yeah. You know, because like there's something kind of satisfying about all those little Dumping math on the rocks dice. going yeah. around. Yeah and then everyone like helps like in like it's like a team effort like we like divide the little sections Group. like oh i'll do the d8s and someone else does like <laughs> the the d6s or the great sword damage and the or whatever right and put it all together and it'll be like ridiculous 70 80
1: 90 100 and, sometimes and damage look, if you're not if you're not good at being able to do this math in your head i mean i feel like i got good at doing this sort of math in my head because i played a lot of right. role, tabletop role playing games as a kid and and there was just a pressure at the table for all of us to be able to to do the math really fast. And we just got good at it, but I didn't realize, recognize now that many people are coming to these games as adults. And, um,
0: it's been a little while bring, since they've had to bring do a calculator. Serious math or, Seriously,
1: nobody's yeah. nobody's going to feel bad for you. Just or add it Or ask your
0: friends to help you count. Add I mean, it really. I mean, it's hard if you're not around the tabletop together and no one can
1: see what you're sure. rolling. Sure. Well, we've seen this on with streamers online as well who roll dice, and who just get don't nervous because they you know, They're they know are They're
0: being watched by tens
1: of thousands. And, you know? and again, just, just, just use a calculator. calculator. I mean, use she, a calculator. didn't
0: they do it at like a later
1: episode? I think she's getting a calculator on it. But I think also... Um, and a pen and pencil and paper. Just drop totally. to down, you know, groupings of numbers that you can then tally up. Good for initiatives. Good for, yeah. I mean, is pencil it and pe- I mean, if, you don't, paper if you're not taking you. notes anyways, it's a shame on you. I mean, all good players take notes. So That's right. I mean, my have-
0: players, I'm so grateful, are now all like taking notes. And whenever someone misses, like I'll see in the WhatsApp group, it'll be like this, like 15, like, you know, notes of like 15 different little points of things that happened in the session. I'm like, wow. They were really paying attention. Jeez, that's nice.
1: That's great. Uh, it's yeah. my favorite thing. You, you, if, if as a DM, it's nice when you mention something and mm. somebody like flips back on their notes and they know the answer to it. Mm, as like yeah, the best. yeah. Um, and be that guy at the table. If you're a player out there, know the answers to the, the DM stuff. Pay enough attention that the DM doesn't have to like give it all to you again. Mm. Um, but also if you're a DM and you've been playing a campaign for two years expect people to not be able to remember everything remember it. yeah you know it is a game we're not pros it's like a quick refresher or even do the refresher in you if you think you're going into a zone where people might be forgetting what's going on right do a Just recap a, of what it was like yeah. the last time you were there and what was happening and what was going on i'm doing that tonight actually well. right last time That's you were here yeah. this is what what happened <laughs> and so they all go oh right right right, right i forgot right. we we may not have left here as the bestest of uh, guests.
0: Totally. I mean, uh, there's many times where my party has to backtrack to a place they've been before or a place from their backstory even that yeah. the whole party hasn't seen but maybe they've seen before in little private sessions I run with them when before When you show game, up someplace you know? that they know you and they don't like you. Right, exactly. And you you, you can have a little fun with that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's. there's going to be some persuasion checks. <laughs> All right, folks. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode. We... Took a little break for the dog days of summer. Yeah, well, um, it was there sort of a technical
1: difficulty. Also some difficult technical um, difficulties. We're over that now. And, and uh, expect perhaps a double feature.
0: Basically. Yeah, maybe
1: we'll, we'll see if we get another episode up sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, there is D live this weekend as well Ooh, that's right so we may be distracted by that but it's summertime so we're just gonna relax play some D, folks exactly which is what we're doing lots of right now yeah tomorrow and i've got a game you've got a game tonight and tomorrow yep it's uh so it's we're good
0: usually we've got like this weird thing where it's like you've got games and i've got nothing and then i've got games and
1: you've got nothing but right now we're sort of both in a good zone. Yeah, we got a lot there's a lot of a lot of D&D happening. summer of right D. it is it's a big summer uh yeah. so I hope you out there in Radio Land are also having a big summer of d and I hope this podcast is given DMs out there something to think about. And uh, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye, everyone.